Hi, everybody. Welcome to On The Line. My name is Christina Kay. I'm Joe Mullings. And in with us today is Christy M., otherwise known as the other Christina. She's here every day, but today is the day that she's on the mic because she's a recent grad who started working here in May. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. She runs our entire social media department. She is the social media department. <laughs> and, uh, and we thought, you know, we should do a, an episode for college grads and... Who better than the person who hacked it? Hmm. Yes, it's funny being on the side of the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so, Christy, could you just uh, really quickly sort of tell the story about how you got this job? Because I think it's a pretty interesting one. Yeah, so how I got the job was probably a little unconventional, but it was also just kind of good timing. I was looking for a job for a while at school. I probably started in January of my senior year. And I was just kind of looking on LinkedIn a lot, using the location services they have, just kind of trying to narrow narrow it down by that. And I wanted to live at home for a year. So I found Delray. I thought that would be like a younger demographic. So I was searching and came across the Mullings group. And my dad plays in a band with Joe's wife, Lynn. So she handed off my resume to Joe around the same time that I found the job posting on LinkedIn. But you applied through LinkedIn. Yeah. I not applied, knowing this. I applied through LinkedIn. Yes. So. And my dad just gave away my resume. Right. Did, so did he know you were applying and did you know he was doing that? No. Right. So this is no. pure crazy. Yes. Coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. I think at first it was a telephone interview. And then I made some trips down. For two other interviews. What do you mean? So I had the first telephone interview, and then I had a Skype interview with Ryan and Carly, and then I had an in-person interview. So I drove from Gainesville down for. How long is that drive? Uh, like four hours. For each way. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. To my house, yeah. So probably five to the office, and then I drove back home, and then I got a call, and it was like, okay, now you have a second second interview and I was like okay like another phone call and they were like no they're another face to face and I was like okay so I got back in my car and I drove down and I did the second face to face and it was great and I drove back up I graduated and I started work five days later wow when um, Lynn handed me the resume she's like hey I got this resume and uh, you want to look at it I'm like sure whatever right it was funny I looked at it and it was had some things in it that were like oh this is interesting some things, right? <laughs> my, my blood, sweat, and tears <laughs> Some things in a in bullet it. point format. And then it came across the bow on the app too on LinkedIn. And I was like, okay, right. So that, that was interesting. But what's the interview process like as an interviewer for recent college grads? What are you looking for? Oh my gosh. <clears throat> Honestly, it's, it's pretty painful uh, because they're just not trained to interview. And what I run into a lot is poor communication, uh, terrible organizational skills, uh, not clear on exactly what it is that they want, and terrible expected follow-up after the session. So that's really what I get. What I expect is you know being super well-prepared and then hacking the interview, knowing you have no industry experience, knowing you don't know my business, 
and knowing that you don't have any meaningful references I could ask. And so nobody's really hacked that backwards to say, you know, this is what I do bring. It's just, it's, it's, it's really a gap in university's game right now. So what did Christy do that was right? What, what, once you met with her, you know, the phone, the first in, in person, what were the moments that you said, okay, this is checking the boxes. This is right. Flatter her is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, it, it was interesting. And you'll remember this is, is like less than five minutes into the conversation. I looked at her. I said, there's a connection here. I did. I said that. And she just answered the right things. Her demeanor was proper. She had very few ums, ums, uh, pauses. She was pretty tight on that. And when we did the Skype, I watched for that as well to see if it was lucky the first time or to see if it was a skill because it is a skill. And she did well on both of those. And we had a number of people we looked at as well. And she was really qualified and interviewed well for the job. We just didn't settle like she was the best of them all. No, she was the only one that passed merit in what we interviewed for. Nobody saw me being terrified on the other end. <laughs> yeah, and and scary. thinking back about the story, like she sort of negotiated with me too. I'm like, what? Because we made a really decent offer relative to what the market was paying. And she's like, well, and she, she actually, she, she wanted to think about it for a day or two. That's what twisted me. I was like, are you kidding me? Fine. You know, I was like, I was upset. It's like, oh, okay. Wow. Knowing uh, respect, her. respect, but I was still upset. Knowing her now, that <laughs> seems actually totally in character because <laughs> Chrissy's like sort of a neurotic in a lot of ways. She's She's got a very strong sense of self. I wonder uh, what it must be like for people. I mean, I'm, I wasn't certainly as confident as Chrissy is when I graduated. So for me, the, the early interview process was truly mortifying. It was really difficult. I think that there's a, a feeling when you graduate from college that you have to have job experience to get job experience, and that catch twenty two can sometimes be really debilitating. And I, I wonder, you know, I graduated in two thousand nine. I've mentioned that before. I graduated into a zero job market, so my experience was really unusual. But what can people do to have some experience without having job experience, or sort of pivot that so that they can get the job anyway? So what any organization is looking for, not just mine, but any organization is work ethic. You need to demonstrate that based on straight up examples from what you've done. Even your job hunt. Like I hear some people complain that while I was carrying a full load my last semester and how can I be expected to put in 20 hours a week on the job hunt? I'm like, if that's what you think is hard, you're going to have a challenge, right? So that's number one. Number two is the ability to learn super quick and put something into play competently and come up with experiences that map to that. And then third is that nothing is above or below you and give some experiences there. And then finally, the ability to problem solve very quickly, small and large, so you can eliminate the chaff from the person you're reporting to, and they're not just going to get hit with silly white noise with you going over and answering questions. But being smart enough to know that you don't know everything, those are the four that I think you need to look back and say, I've got this, 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 and this. Let me pick four examples 
in my college experience that can point to that. Mm -hmm. And just like be yourself because if someone doesn't like you in the interview, they're not going to, you don't want to work for them anyways. Then you're going to feel like, oh, people don't like me and you're just trying to like grab your lunch out of the fridge. And like, it's kind of like that scenario of being in a bad relationship. If you put on the show in the beginning, you can't do that because, you know, going to an interview, like everyone's nervous and scared, but you're not going to mess it up. And if you do, then you just, you probably don't even want to work there anyways. So when did you start? You said January, right? Mm-hmm. Was that pretty common amongst your friends? Were they all looking then? Do you think a lot of people sort of slacked off? Or what? when do you think is the right time to start? I think it really depends. A lot of my friends were in like finance and accounting, and they all really got job offers like junior year. Like they interned somewhere that summer, got a job offer. So in August of, you know, the year before senior year, they were kind of set. So it kind of depends your major too. Some people that I was really good friends with graduated, didn't have a job, just moved to a city and then started looking for a job. Some people have had jobs for a year lined up. So it kind of just depends on your major as well as like what you want to do and like how that fits into your life. Um, If you're a planner, if you're going to go with the flow and you don't really know what you want to do yet. Also, yeah, that's a big thing too. If you don't know what you want to do yet, don't apply. Like wait, wait it out your senior year and like figure it out and see what other people are doing. And be like, oh, that sounds interesting too. And like talk to people and see what other people are doing as careers because you might not know that something exists that you'd want to do if you just are like, oh, I need to apply to a job because it's January and I need to start looking, but I don't really know what I want to do. You know, wait it out. And if you graduate and still don't know, try a couple of things or maybe get an internship before you lock down a job and then you're stuck. Right. So, um, I think it really just depends what field you're going into. Uh, we've talked about this a lot on like other series that we've done, especially in video form, but you know, we do talk a lot about location and how important that can be. And I think that when you're just graduating from college, that's when you have the opportunity to really take that risk. If there's a city you've always wanted to move to, that would be the ideal time to do it because you have nothing to lose. You have everything to gain. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering uh, Joe, how important is it to be in the right place at the right time when you're early in your career? You need to be in the city you're applying for to have the best shot. I can tell you from the seat I sit in, um, if you're not in the city that you're looking for the job and it doesn't have that on the resume, you're going to get passed over. So that's number one. Number two, hmm, people, you know, there's always inconvenience in moving, right? Family, no family but the perceived burden is greater. You're right. When you're younger, pack it up, go, get there. And and Christy said something earlier. I think you should interview on the most insane jobs when you're going. You know why? Most college grads absolutely stink at interviewing. Most people do in general. So I would absolutely apply for jobs just for practice. Literally apply for jobs, get the experience, take notes after you walk out to the car, what did you do well? What didn't you do well? And learn from it. So I would give a little further guidance on that one. Um, but coming back to your city, take a job. If you're big city bright lights, take a secretary's job in a big company you want to get in and work your way up from the mailroom, the proverbial mailroom. Do you recruit, I'd imagine, from what I've gleaned, you, you recruit from like PhD programs and, and people who are in school, highly competitive programs, correct? 
Correct, especially in the software side of things. So what are you looking for? How do you find these people who aren't even on the job market yet, and what do you look for? Well, they are in the job market, which is interesting. Uh, at the PhD level, they, for the most part, a majority of them have LinkedIn profiles uh, because they're proud of what they're doing. At the PhD level, especially in software, who your advisor is, the program you're coming out of, and the type of work you've done in the lab are what sets you up for, and, and these people are coming out at 140, 150 a year, uh, even not in the Silicon Valley area. Um, so that 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 is a LinkedIn profile that comes out often. College grads, LinkedIn profiles, also important, but more importantly is how you mine LinkedIn. Right, I mean, why wouldn't, why couldn't an undergraduate just about to leave their senior year and not apply the same strategies as a PhD candidate, you know, set up a portfolio, show off the things that you've accomplished, network with your professors. I think, you know, we've talked about this before, but for me, my entire educational experience was completely grounded by the people I learned under. And I work very hard to maintain those relationships even now, actually, to be quite frank, not as, not as hard as I, sh I should, because those people are invaluable. They've given me the majority of my opportunities that I've had in my adult life. And I think it's very easy to feel like once you cross the tassel from one side to the other of your cap, that it's it, right? You're, you're done with that. Right. You're out the door. Yeah. There's new people to care about. Yeah. yeah. And now your life is starting mm -hmm. without realizing that your life has already started. And if you, you hopefully have thought about your time in college as the beginning of your career, as an opportunity to network, as an opportunity to build a portfolio and a body of work that can speak to who you are and what you're capable of, and that's just the beginning of when you showcase it, not the end, right? You, you mentioned networking. So this could be the most important thing I say in this podcast. You should do the most networking when you need it the least. Because when you need networking, everybody smells desperate on the request. If you network when all you have is something to give instead of ask for, that is what will sit in people's minds. So you should be hammering your network when you don't need it the most. Granted, when you do need it, your networking should be giving. And on the way out the door, before you turn the doorknob, say, oh, by the way, after I've given you these two or three things or insight in these two or three things, if by chance you think there's something that might be worthwhile for me to be aware of, please let me know. But you have to be a network nut when you don't need it. Give, 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 then ask intelligently. Yeah, and also you don't know, you don't know what the limits of your network really are. The, you know, it's important, I think, to also think about how you comport yourself in every situation that could potentially be professional, even if you don't think it's, it's gonna lead to something. Maybe you are interviewing someplace sort of as a lark or just to have experience interviewing, but you still don't know what that outcome could eventually mean. Maybe that person, you know, that you're interviewing with, go somewhere else later in life and you don't want to leave a bad taste in their mouth. So think about every situation as an opportunity to be incredibly professional and, and nothing is a throwaway experience or, or interaction ever. Yeah. My career, my business is built on literally networking. And if you think about what we do, the most important phone calls that we make or experiences we have out of the one person who does get the killer job through us, the other literally 1,474 people, I tell my people are always the most important because that is a network that you're going to absolutely use for the next 15, 20, 25 years. That individual you put there 
is only a short-term gain for you, but that long-term gain is working that network and always be giving away things. You network by giving away, not by asking. I'm going to repeat that again. I'm curious, Joe, what was uh, post-graduation job searching like for you? How much has that changed? I was super lucky because I had internships in engineering. I graduated with a bachelor's in engineering. So I rocked it hard at the end of my sophomore year, nailed a summer job as an engineer, Christmas job as an engineer at the same place. So I had an offer ready for this. Back in the day, I was the man. $25,000 starting job (laughs) offer in 1984, dating myself, do your math team. Um, And in the engineering school at the University of Dayton, Ohio, I remember a lot of my friends were not getting engineering jobs and they were applying for sales jobs. And we were fortunate to have a campus that had a super active um, interview opportunity across the board. So every week, we were interviewing um, all over the place. I never interviewed once in college, by the way. I was super lucky. Um, but I drove it hard early to make sure that I was going to go to the school. I mean, go to the place I wanted to work. It was in my hometown, Syosset, New York. It was Laurel Fairchild. And I just drove that so hard, I didn't leave it the chance. So I had an offer, and I went into my senior year already locked and loaded. I remember Christmas vacation, 83, I got my offer letter, I signed it. And I could just absolutely just goof off, yeah. right, the last semester. So, but you know, it was a different time. It was it was a totally different, you know, economy, totally different time, different mindset. But people tended to stay local. They went back to, you know, Long Island. They went back right. to Boston. They went back to Chicago. And when I looked them up on Facebook and LinkedIn today, they're all still there. So that just shows you how their brains are wired. Wow, that's crazy. Still there. I haven't been at any city for very long, let alone any single position. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, so, Christy, if you could go back and and redo it, what would you have done differently in your job search process? I think just even starting earlier than I did and also, like, really, like, you were talking about networking and, like, your teachers and, I mean, at my school – it was not impossible, but to the point of nearly that I just didn't really even try. So I think I could have definitely focused on getting to know my teachers more, getting to know my guidance counselor more. You know, it's it's hard when every time, you know, your guidance counselor, if your last name's M, <laughs> is a different person every time, you right. know. So I think that I could have tried a little bit harder in that area. I mean... I think it's really all about finding what you want to do. I mean, I had job offers that I turned down and it was like I was turning it down for nothing else. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, I just said no for what to go move back home and sit on my couch. Like it wasn't a good feeling, but I knew I didn't want to do that. So I don't really regret anything. I think just starting earlier and giving yourself the best chance possible and just looking at every conversation, whether it's when you go over to your friend's house and their parents are in the kitchen, like I could name you three people that got jobs that way, you know, just be really like open-minded, talk to everyone, you know, never think that no one is worth less or can't help you or you can't help them. And just, you know, if you like something, try it out and try to find what you enjoy doing because 
if you don't, it's going to be a long life ahead. Uh, so I couldn't really do this because my mom is a flamenco dancer and I don't know that there's many careers in flamenco dance, but, <laughs> but is it, is it taboo to use your family as part of your network? Is that, is it okay to reach out? Is that nepotism or is that totally okay? I think it definitely will play into what your parents do. Um, but I think it's not only your parents, but other, their friends, your, your friends' parents, like, they're the people that know you and are going to, like, stick up for you and, you know, aren't going to hire you because you're so-and-so's daughter, but because, oh, I know this, I've known this girl for years and she's great. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's ever, like, cheating. I think it's just they got a chance to know you and they like you and they'll hire you, which may even speak more volume than just a resume. Still comes down to we live in a meritocracy, right? You'll get the first interview, but if you're a bomb squad or you shouldn't be there, um, I actually interviewed for my executive assistant who we picked up a little over 90 days ago, three friends of the family um, whose resumes came in that were worthwhile interviewing um, and just boom said, nope, sorry. And, you know, they they were worth at least the meat, um, but they were not even close to what we required. Doesn't make them bad people, just they didn't fit what we needed. Um, but they did get the first look because of the uh, close referral. Mm -hmm. And there were others that we didn't even bother that were referrals as well because we advertised it on TMG 360. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a little plug there. No big. Yeah, but I just think I would never look at that as cheating. I would, you know, just look at that as an opportunity. And um, if you get the job, it's not just because you know someone because there's a ton of jobs and a ton of people that need jobs and um, that's never in like low demand. So if they like you, you know, believe them. So just a, a takeaway on this is there, there's, there's something that really we didn't chat about today is the student debt. And so there's about, on average, I think the stat I read was about 35,000 for a bachelor's, 50,000 for a master's degree on graduating with debt. And, you know, it's tough. A lot, of, a lot of people graduate with debt and some graduate with zero because mom and dad paid for it, which is really cool. Um, what I can tell you is that there's that transition from every college kid for the, for, no, most college kids have a sense of entitlement just because of the world they've been living in. Whether it's a mommy and daddy gave me a lot right? Or the school uh, has been sort of this bubble I've lived in. And they don't realize it's a bubble until they get out. That's true. Okay. So I'm just going to put it, it's not your fault, college kids. You just have lived in these protected environments. Yeah. In a square. I lived in a square. <laughs> okay. Four roads. And you lived in a false sense and there was, you know, every, you were fed and you were, you, you, and then you got out and let's imagine mom and dad weren't there. Let's just for a moment the biggest gift most college grads give themselves, imagine that mom and dad were not there or your crutch was not there. You are now transitioning into a world that nobody cares about you. And I mean that, I really do. You do not matter. Yet you're coming out where you were the center of your universe. And so I would really implore every college grad going into their senior year, start to shift gears super hard and say, dude, 
you were about to walk into a buzzsaw called life. And it doesn't have a conscience. It does not have a conscience. And it's just going to chew you up. And you better on-ramp yourself to working your 12 credits or 18 credits like I had even in my senior year as an engineer. And then setting out to do that job search for no less than 15 hours a week. And you're going to get your sea legs to you. Because if you step out expecting, and again, it's not your fault, expecting to be living in that bubble, it's going to screw you up. It's going to punch you in the face. And it's some of you are not brave enough to recover on that quick enough. And it sort of sets the tempo in your brain if you're not strong enough to be an underachiever for a really long time and get a complex. So my takeaway is whether you have zero debt or a ton of debt, start grinding it really early senior year, like maddening early, and you still won't be up to speed when you walk into the buzzsaw of what the economy requires from you. And I'm just giving you that out of the thousands and thousands of conversations I've had with college grads and the people I've seen. Look, I've got Christy sitting here and she's an overachiever and she still has no idea how to work a legitimate 60 to 70 hour a week because she's got to get her endurance up. Just is. Doesn't mean she's not capable of, but if you're coming out of college and you don't think you're not going to put in a 50 hour week and move meaningfully through your first one, two, three years of your career, that's the only thing you can bring to your first job is insanely hard work and an insane work ethic. But you're not going to turn that on just because you flip the tassel from one side to the other. You better start that training first day of senior year, or if it was my kid, it would be freshman year. Because I know that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, it's true. I think, you know, having attended several universities at this point and then taught at several other ones, uh, it's very demoralizing when you graduate, especially, you know, I'm, I'd imagine it's even more pronounced in an, in an artist's perspective or an artistic program. You know, here you are, you make something and you bring it to a room full of people and everybody has to give it all their attention for this amount of time every week and rinse and repeat for four years. And you have this really false sense of how loud your voice is amongst the voices of everyone else. And I think a lot of people graduate and they wonder, where are those ears that were once so devoted and doting and, and, you know, literally are paid to care about me every single week? And I think people leave very demoralized. I think that's where uh, a beginning of a depression or a malaise starts for, for a lot of undergrads is they suddenly don't have, uh, even, if you're, even if your teachers are hard on you and they're not necessarily your cheerleaders, they still are extremely alert and attentive, and at, at least good ones. And they're yeah. there. But you're suddenly not, you're not even going to have the audience anymore. And you have to start literally, not just from scratch, but from from far behind the starting line because you're competing in a market with people who've been out there for so long. And, and even with your peers who might have done more than you while they were in school. So you really have to pull through. And I really, I felt it certainly when I graduated from undergrad and grad school. You have to pull through that heartbreak of suddenly waking up in a vacuum and not in this sort of lush context of people who are always there and always care. Well, that's where that senior on-ramp comes because see, your mommy and daddy did that to you, not yours and mine. We 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 grew up in odd houses, right? <laughs> but for the most part, 
your mommy and daddy listened to everything you had to say and said you were amazing. And then you move to college, and to your point, they get paid to listen to your crap, even though it could be. Mm-hmm. right? And then you're like, wow, I'm really meaningful. My mommy mm-hmm. told me my whole life, and now these professors at university told me my whole life. And then you get out, and you're nothing but an ROI in your first year, return on investment. Somebody's going, I'm paying you 40, and that's the, that's the time of your life you're most disposable, because supply and demand has a ton ton of 40K a year people sitting on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. And if you're not absolutely blowing away your employer and then learning how to gain endurance, whatever your profession is, you need to read that book really fast because that's the only way you're going to have choices if you decide you don't want to stay at the company you're at today and move on is to have that ability to like absolutely run a 440, which is the most brutal brutal race and track because your lungs are coming out of your mouth and your legs are burning. And that's what work your first two or three years and your junior and senior year should be. In my opinion, you'll have the most options and you're not going to get that punch in the face when you walk out of that sort of fraudulent environment. Yeah, I also think, you know, don't... Don't be afraid of being creative. Don't be afraid of a little bit of adventure. Don't be afraid of some adversity because if you can figure out a way to make this whole process really fun, you can figure out a way to sustain this forever, right? And I think that's that's the hard part is I think uh, maybe because of debt or because of pressure from their family, people settle very early and they feel uh, pretty resentful or bitter and there's no fun left. So I think if you if you have the opportunity, if you're fortunate enough to have enough wiggle room to get creative and and be a little bit adventurous and think outside of the box that your parents might have laid out for you before you were even born, you 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 might have actually an opportunity to enjoy what you do instead of just do it. Or have you be better at your job? Right. You know, if um if you're enjoying your life outside of your job, you're going to, you know, come in with a smile. Right. Or vice versa. Right. Again, we're not meant to live these in parts, Mm -hmm. right? We're meant to live them together. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm wired a certain way. We know that. But the more you give your job, the more options you have. And I would tell you, the harder you work at a job you like, the more flexibility you have in regards to work you pick later. The more you like it probably too. Everybody likes what they're good at. Yeah. If you're good at basketball, right, you every, like basketball. But yeah, but everything you know? you're good at, you once sucked at and mm-hmm. you just worked hard at it. So that's what I mean. That's that's sort of the headline there is you're only going to get good at it if you work really hard at it and mm-hmm. you once sucked at everything you were good at. Right, now. right. Including walking. Right? Yeah, right. But <laughs> now we news, like it. <laughs> yeah, but the good news is, is everybody knows it's possible. Right, yeah. So therefore we keep going. Baby mm-hmm. steps. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, like actually... Well, I think uh, that's pretty timely. I do think getting the message out there that, you know, it's never too early to start. It definitely can be too late. So, right, it's November and and maybe some of you are graduating early that are listening and and you really are in a crunch because December is around the corner. Or some of you are thinking about May, which is smart. Think now, start now. Or even it's December of your junior year and you're super on it. This is a good topic at any stage in your college career. So I'm glad we we could get you on the on the mic, Christy, to tell us yeah, about your experience. It was fun. 
It was different, but it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard her voice on, on a mic before. She's got a, she's got a great microphone voice. So this is, this is, we're very pleased. Maybe I'll be back. Yeah, maybe she'll be back. Maybe. Uh, anyway, my name is Christina Kay. Joe Mullings. The other Christina. Yeah, Christina. <laughs> Christy. Feels like I confused. <laughs> and this has been On the Line. Thanks for joining us. And we'll chat with you and share more with you soon. Yeah, they're they're I I I find them fine clumsy in the beginning, and yeah. clumsy at the end, and I love it. Joe does like a free jazz intro and exit. <laughs> <laughs>